Welcome to Nadea Markets Insights and to our special focus podcast where we analyze and discuss a specific financial area or hot economic topic. My name is Karina Larsen and with me today is our senior analyst Holger Sende. Welcome Holger. In this special pot edition, we're zooming in on the euro area, which is your speciality. And there's a lot to talk about, so let's just jump ahead. I believe it's fair to say that the euro area is undergoing a quite turbulent and hectic period, facing challenges and battles in many places. But let's start with the economy. What are your expectations for the euro area economy for the next few years? Yeah, I would say we are reasonably optimistic. Of course, we try to be realistic, but also uh, there's uh, some sense of optimism also, because after all, the euro area economy has been growing for 13 quarters in a row, and not at a very fast pace if you compare it to the US. But then uh, keep in mind that uh, trend growth in the euro area is pretty uh, low. So what we are seeing is a, a cyclical recovery, and we expect this uh, recovery to go on with growth rates uh, around one and a half percent. Um, next year and also 2018 and that's mainly driven by private consumption Mm -hmm. Uh, we could also get a bit more tailwind uh, from fiscal policy as the time of big tax increases is over and the time of big spending cuts and there's a lot of talk from italy for example also from france to uh, to make uh, fiscal policy a a bit more supportive uh, for growth Mm -hmm. and what about the export yeah, and exports, uh, that's, uh, that's uh, not a source of uh, very good news these days because, uh, for example, if you look at the German economy, uh, they're exporting a lot to emerging markets mm-hmm. and uh, demand growth thereover is weak yeah. as we have Brazil in recession and Russia in recession and China is slowing down. Uh, all in all, we see uh, that global trade growth is growing at a quite slow pace and the euro area cannot escape from that so uh, we don't expect much uh, growth contribution from uh, from exports actually mm-hmm. okay so what do you think is the biggest threat to the recovery the biggest threat in my view uh, is political okay we have seen the brexit vote uh, in june we we don't know when the uk will go out there but they will probably go out there might be a small impact from that on the euro area economy uh, to the degree that the british economy weakens but then the story is not over there uh, and it might might get a lot more tricky in the next uh, month and quarters we have elections next year uh, in france and germany and the netherlands And while we don't expect uh, Euro or EU um, skeptic parties to take over power, they they might still get uh, more influence Mm -hmm. and European integration might become uh, much more difficult. And there is an even more immediate uh, threat, and that's a referendum in Italy about constitutional reform. It's rather technical, but uh, the short version is that uh, Prime Minister Renzi could be forced to step down. There could be new elections in Italy pretty soon. And then we might end up with the EU skeptic or Euro skeptic government because all the major opposition parties in Italy are anti-Euro or anti-EU in some form or or other. Mm. And this, why is that important for the economy? Because uh, we've seen in Greece, for example, how that can hit economic confidence and consumer confidence. And then people spend less and that could change the whole picture about the ongoing recovery that I mentioned uh, two minutes ago. So that's a risk. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about if you look outside uh, the euro area? Is there... Yeah, that comes on top. 
Um, the most important trading partner for the euro area is the United States. Mm, yeah. And most people, and, and we agree, expect an ongoing recovery in the U.S., growth around 2%. But, but what if that's wrong? Mm. Then we get a problem in our most important export destination on top of the problem that we have in the U.K. And uh, further out in the world, uh, China is slowing down. We and others expect a, a controlled slowdown, kind of soft landing. But what if that is wrong? Yeah. Then we get a serious problem on the expert side, uh, especially in Germany, which is still the, the most important exporter in the euro area. Mm-hmm. If we just like quickly take a look uh, to the to Great Britain and uh, the Brexit, it seems like it hasn't had that much of a impact, negative impact, as is expected. Is it something that you think we will see next year, or is it just the short term that looks okay? Yeah, we're actually a bit surprised mm. that hard data have not turned worse yet. Still, it's early days. We only got July indicators, which were quite okay. And also yeah. sentiment has recovered to some degree. We stick to the view that things will get a bit worse. Uh, if we are right in assuming that inflation will pick up due to the weak pound, that will have an impact on retail sales, for example, yeah. also on consumer confidence. So we are still uh, in the camp of people expecting a mild recession uh, in the UK. So not a not a big blow, but a mild recession in the, in the winter half year, basically. Okay. Uh, but that said, as you said, it was better than expected for now, and maybe we see a positive surprise from yeah. the UK going forward. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see. And then we'll return to Germany. The German numbers were pretty weak recently. The industrial production export sharply down in August. Uh, How much should we worry about Europe's largest economy, you think? Uh, Not too much, I would say. Um, Sometimes people uh, outside expect a bit too much from, from Germany. Remember that the growth potential of the German economy, that's also close to 1% only due to... uh, declining uh, labor force, for example. So when Germany has like one and a half or 1.7 this year and a bit less next year, that's actually not that bad. Uh, Again, on the export side, it's difficult because one third of German exports go to emerging markets and emerging markets are struggling a bit. But then uh, for a few years already, private consumption has become uh, the most important driver of Mm. the recovery. Rising employment, falling unemployment, um, reasonable wage increases. And that's why there's re- there's reason to worry about the manufacturing sector, but not for the economy as a whole, I would say. Okay. Uh, and that's because of private consumption. And now there are these uh, budget talks for 2017. There's also an election 2017. Um, the government considers uh, lowering taxes in 2017 and to a larger degree even in 2018. So there could be even more stimulus uh, for private consumption going forward. All right. So we expect it will grow. Private yeah. consumption. Yeah. yeah. Um, the momentum has probably peaked because at, at a growth rate of 2%, um, German private consumption has been pretty strong in recent quarters. But now the oil price has gone up, um, so inflation will pick up a bit. Um, on the other hand, some tax cuts next year, so it can still grow by one and a half to 2%, okay. which is... a Reasonably good, good yeah. development. Okay. And finally, there's no way around the central bank, and especially these days where the central bank supposedly or theoretically hold the keys to recovery and market balance. So, ECB. There's always talk about further monetary easing, uh, although policy rates are already negative. 
Do you think they'll ease more? And if so, how? Like, does it even make sense? Yeah, to start with the first question, uh, one last round of easing may make some sense but okay. you, you hear that that's a that's a bit cautious i i wouldn't go as far as some that say it makes absolutely no sense how would the world look like without the ecb's policy easing i think the euro area would be in worse shape with all that what they did in recent years like cutting rates and buying bonds okay. i think it would look worse okay but still the let's say the additional benefit of further easing that that looks pretty small And my, my idea is that they um, extend the asset purchases that they are supposed to end in March next year. I think they will uh, extend them until autumn next year okay. before they start buying less and then buying nothing more in uh, 2018. We could also um, get a small further cut in the deposit rate, which is minus 0.4 today. But the, the focus of many central banks and and Without doubt, uh, the focus of the ECB is on quantitative things, on buying assets. But as said, the, the marginal benefit is maybe uh, small, but I, I still think it's positive. Mm -hmm. And remember also that uh, the inflation is still way below the ECB's target. One could discuss whether the target makes sense, but as long as the target is in place, the ECB will probably um, do a bit more. And what is their target? The target is uh, to get inflation close to 2%. Okay. Close to, but below. And inflation is currently at 0.2%. Mm. That's to a large degree can be explained by the fall in oil prices next year. Mm -hmm. So this fall from next year, that will drop out of the inflation rate during the next month. So we should get closer to one. But uh, if, if I were in a central bank, I would follow a target that strips out all these energy effects because it's so volatile. But even if one does that, then inflation in the euro area is below one. Mm -hmm. And uh, if two percent is right and one percent, then one percent is too low, and mm -hmm. the ECB has to do more. Okay. So, do we expect any um, movements? Like, are they going to do anything with the interest rates? Yeah, we expect a 10 basis points cut in the deposit rate to uh, to be announced on 8 uh, December. Okay. And also an extension of the asset purge program, and we also expect that to happen uh, in December. Okay, right. Well, to just like yeah, summarize it. Are you slightly optimistic here, or less pessimistic about the situation in the euro area? I, I would turn it this way, and that might be slightly optimistic. I think the numbers are not that bad. They okay. haven't turned better, but one and a half percent growth for the euro area is not bad. Because the right yardstick, in my view, is uh, is what is potential growth, and that's probably closer to one. Mm -hmm. So we're in an ongoing cyclical uh, recovery, and that is uh, positive, or if you want, optimistic. Where I'm not optimistic, that is uh, the capability of the euro area to increase the potential growth, to, and that is done by structural reforms and looking at the election calendar. It's not likely that a lot will happen there. Mm -hmm. So I am cyclically optimistic and structurally maybe a bit less optimistic. Okay, okay. And finally, if you could just summarize or point to a few factors that you will focus especially on in the coming months. Yeah. Yeah, apart from the, the usual data, I would uh, recommend to focus on two events. One is um, the constitutional referendum in Italy which uh, is to take place either in late November or in early December. That is the third largest uh, euro area economy. We could go in a way in Italy that leads the country out of the EU or out of the euro area in the in the worst case. 
um, better cases are possible, of course. Mm. So that's late November, early December. And also early December, we have uh, an ECB meeting uh, where the ECB, in our view, will decide on further easing of monetary policy as we see it um, the last time they ease uh, policy in this cycle. Okay. All right. Interesting. We're going to have to wait and see. Thank you, Holger. Welcome. And if you'd like more information and updates on the global market situation, you can visit us on nordeamarkets.com slash insights and nexusnordea.com, where you can find our research and Holger's fresh analysis also. You can also meet us at LinkedIn and then follow our analysts on Twitter. And remember, you can subscribe to our podcast so you get them as soon as they are released. Stay tuned as we'll be back with a new special podcast this week where we zoom in on the economy and political landscape in the United States. Thank you.